Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Our good friend Robert Mays from The Ringer. Robert, how are you this evening, sir? I'm fine. I I, I really do want it known that I'm not comfortable about how many Philly people work for our website. <laughs> I know. It, I was... it, it's Bill it's Simmons' worst nightmare. PhiladelphiaEagles.com West Coast Bureau is, is, a, is a weird situation. <laughs> I have no idea how that transpired, but yeah. it's definitely what's going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite amazing, and I'm, I'm so glad that you're actually here for the game and going through stuff. I actually saw you tweeting out a little bit earlier, too, that you're you're starting to see some of those old 2000s Midnight Green Dawkins jerseys, and you're going like, oh, he, he still has your heart. Why, why, why does a guy like Dawkins have your heart? I just love the style of that team, especially defensively. You know, Jim Johnson, I feel like his influence has been felt in so many ways. You know, we talk about the Andy Reid coaching tree, but, like, McDermott learned at Jim Johnson's knee. And I think that if you watch even the Vikings defense, there are so many elements of the way that Jim coached. And I think that in the way that Harrison Smith is the purest distillation of Mike Zimmer, I think Brian Dawkins was the purest distillation of Jim Johnson. You know, it's just a perfect marriage between a player, a scheme, stylistic elements that are attractive. I mean, it, those teams were fun. You know, those teams happened when I was kind of just, I was a kid. You know, I was, when they went to the Super Bowl in 2000, in, in the mid 2000s, I was 16. You know, I was just learning about the game mm-hmm. in, in an advanced way. And, I feel like those teams had more of an indelible impression on how I understand football than I probably understood in the moment. Yeah, and, it, and it's crazy, too, when you mentioned that that uh, perfect uh, coach and perfect scheme and perfect fit, how Jim Johnson just looked at him and go, yeah, we're going to build the defense around you. So that's yeah. that's kind of like an important part of that, too, yeah. And that's exactly what Mike Zimmer's done with, with Smith. So I think, I think it's very similar. And there's so many Jim Johnson elements in Mike Zimmer's defense. And the fact that, now he's coming into the building where Jim Johnson became a legend. It's just there's something really cool about that. And uh, since we're on the subject anyway, I definitely want to get your thoughts on because you had a fantastic piece on breaking down the Vikings defense, which we'll uh, we'll definitely get into. Do you think that uh, Doc belongs in the Hall of Fame? Jim Johnson? No, uh, uh, Brian Dawkins. Oh, Brian Dawkins, absolutely. Oh my goodness, yes. I, I mean, I think if my standard for the Hall of Fame, I think, has always been this. And obviously, you know, the Pro Bowls, all pros, you know, the numbers eventually do matter. But to me, the most important thing is, did you define your position in the era in which you played? And the answer for Brian Dawkins is an unequivocal yes. I mean, I, it, just in terms of aesthetics, memories, who you enjoyed watching, I, I just feel like all of that stuff should come into play as we're trying to build a museum for football. Mm-hmm. And Brian Dawkins was the safety of that generation. I mean, did John Lynch have more success? Arguably, yes. I mean, just if you think about those defenses. But what's your favorite John Lynch moment? What do you remember about John nothing. Lynch? Nothing. It's I... just not the same. I mean, it, 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 that stuff matters to me. Like the X-Factor stuff, the visor, the pregame stuff, the hits. Like, I just think that there should be an aesthetic element to the players that we celebrate, and Brian Dawkins is the utmost of that. Talking with uh, Robert Mays from The Ringer and also the NFL show uh, Ringer podcast that he does with Kevin Clark, and he does a phenomenal job. Uh, constant listener, by the by the way. It's a, it's a really, Thank really you. good show. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I uh, also picked out uh, something in your piece while you were breaking down 
the Vikings, and something really stood out. He said the constant conversation between the guys in the defensive backfield of the Vikings defense at its enhanced level of discourse uh, among that uh, unit as a whole, and it's been years since Edwards and his staff has had to teach any full-time starters the basics of playing the position. When you bring up guys like Harrison Smith and all of that, and I just think of the the wheel of corners that have gone through this Eagles defensive backfield and we're so happy that Ronald Darby is here because we have literally seen nothing. It's a vast difference of what the Vikings have been through. They haven't really replaced anybody, honestly, since Trey Wins has gotten drafted and started started starting there. Uh, what is it about this Vikings defense that they're so cohesive together as a unit? I think it's a combination of things. I mean, I, I feel like it's a perfect storm of elements, right? So you have to pick the right players. The fact that Rhodes and Smith – and the Rhodes-Smith – Wayne's bar, you know, Kenderson's second round pick, they're all high draft picks. And the fact that all of them have hit, that's not easy. Mm-mm. You know, just because they're first round picks doesn't mean they're going to stick around. The Vikings did an excellent job of identifying talent. But I think we also underrate how much development of players is linked into the drafting of players. And the idea that all of these guys were able to come in for the most part and learn from people that had been around either Zimmer or the scheme. So, you know, Rhodes gets drafted in 2013. His second season is 2014. That's when Terrence Newman gets signed there. So Newman comes in and is able to kind of help Rhodes with what is expected of him in Mike Zimmer's defense. Then Waynes gets drafted in 2015. So you have Rhodes who's learned from Newman, and you still have Newman. So Rhodes gets ingratiated in this idea of what this defense is supposed to be. And then Harrison Smith has already been there for a year. Sandejo's already been there for a year. It's kind of, in a way, the reason that the Eagles have been able to kind of indoctrinate all these players so quickly. But with the Vikings, now we're in year four. So it's not even just a level of indoctrination. It's the ability to riff on what we're supposed to be. The Eagles have been able to succeed because there have been veterans that have communicated what the Eagles are. The Vikings have been able to dominate because beyond understanding what the Vikings are, they're able to understand what we can be. How do we be creative on top of these initial principles? And I think that's why the Vikings are so interesting on defense. It's also why they can play the way they can because I've never seen, even now when I think of the top defenses, I don't really know you know, even in, the, in Seattle in their heyday with the Legion of Boom, they're still playing cover three. It's a different scheme, and they kind of have their assignments and do whatever. This Vikings defense literally plays the first down line. I've never seen that before where everybody's completely comfortable playing press, knowing where their safeties are going to be, knowing that Everson Griffin's going to get there. They're going to do their jobs, and they're just not going to – they're going to risk getting beat deep. That doesn't happen too often with a lot of defenses in the NFL now. It's incredible because I think that when I wrote that, uh, there was some people that responded like, well, yeah, like they've played together for a while. That's good. And it's like, if, if you think that that's the element of this, you don't <laughs> understand what the conversation is here. Like the Seattle defense played together for years. If you watch the Seattle defense, they're not complicated. It's very simple. And Seattle and what they've done and how they were able to be great was about precision. It was about mastery. It was about we're going to line up this way and you know it and you still can't beat us. And that requires time and study and everything else. But what the Vikings have done is essentially said, 
you have no idea what we're going to do. Yeah. We're all going to line up on the line of scrimmage. Good luck guessing where we're going to be when it's over. And, it's, and that requires the same amount of time, but it's about complication, not precision. And exactly. And, and it's so funny, too, because as we're talking about Jim Johnson, like they are so revved up with that double A gap blitz. They, 100%. And they're, yep. they're, and they're, they're gonna, and, it's and fun. It, it's fun to see like the, the echoes of what that defense was in this one. Yeah, it, it, it's really strange and weird to look at and be like, oh, wow. And it is that. Like, they don't. You know, I, I see a lot of the, the holes where you can take this. Certainly, if you want Eric Kendricks uh, in coverage, that's probably a pretty good matchup. If you want Mackenzie Alexander in the slot, that's a pretty good matchup for Nelson Aguilar. How do the Eagles approach this offensively? Uh, because we've been asking that all week, and I don't think we have any really solid answers. But if you're the offensive coordinator, what would you do? I think those are two names that are right. I think those are the two names you throw out first, and we're nitpicking if those are the two names. Mm-hmm. This isn't, those, Kendricks has been really solid this year. But I still feel like if I was picking a weak link, you know, I've watched a lot of this Vikings defense after writing about them this week. And Kendricks, when he's forced to move east-west, can miss some tackles. So if you're forcing him to make decisions east-west with those RPOs, I think that's a really good route. Make Eric Kendricks choose the wrong thing to do. You know, make him either commit or stay outside on that Aguilar slant on the RPO a little longer. I mean, he's the guy you want to attack. And then with Alexander, it becomes interesting because he's their fourth corner. But I think in a way, they're more comfortable playing him outside than they are with Newman. So if you're going to move Alshon to the slot, which I assume they're going to do often because that's the best way to attack Rhodes, and you understand that Rhodes is going to be inside, I think you can get Alexander on the field outside in those packages. So, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating chess match. I mean, Mike Zimmer, in my opinion, is the best play caller and designer of defensive football in the NFL. And Doug Peterson has done a literally unbelievable job with this team. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a just a back-and-forth cat-and-mouse situation that, again, as a football nerd, like, this is what I live for. Like, it, it's going to be unbelievable to watch. Talking with Robert Mays from uh, The Ringer, and I, I kind of feel the same way, too, about – uh, what Doug has been able to do in the certain wrinkles. And sure, there was a there was a little bit of a narrative of like, all right, he's just hiding, hiding some things during these meaningless games against the Raiders and the, and the Giants, and there's going to be some new wrinkles in there. And then that kind of proved to be true uh, a little bit. What is it about uh, Doug Peterson this year that, is, that has impressed you the most? For me, it's just a complete understanding of your personnel. How do I make the most out of the guys I have in this huddle? And I think offensively, it's come in a few different ways. You know, the RPO stuff, I think, is just a is in Doug's bones at this point. You know, the level of innovation and just kind of being different. You know, that I think that's happened when he worked with Andy and, you know, the amount of work Brad Childress did and understanding spread offenses and whatever. I think that what's impressive to me is being able to put his guys in constantly good spots. You know, when you think about this team and what they were on third down, Think about how many throws to Zach Ertz that were just across the sticks got in first outs. Mm-hmm. And think about how often Ertz was split out in mismatches. That's about coaching. That's about putting your guys in spots. Think about this running game and think about all the plays where Jason Kelsey was allowed to pull or where Lane Johnson was able to come around in space 
Or would they use Brandon Brooks in a way that most guards would never even try to? I, I just think that the level of innovation, creativity, and you know what the most important word is? Humility. The level of humility in that offensive coaching staff and their willingness to try different things because they know they have to and they know it's the best way and step outside of dogmatic NFL nonsense I think that's been the most impressive thing about what Peterson's done. And I think that's uh, uh, an, an amazing thing just in any head coach, because nowadays, especially, I think how we try and judge a lot of them is like, well, it's all on him, and he has to do everything, and the, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then if you're not, then what's the point of being the head coach? But really, it is about listening and seeing it, and especially your guys, too, like Carson, like your QB coach, like your offensive coordinator. Uh, and I, I completely agree. I think that's why it's made it uh, so successful here. Uh, I guess let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Who is going to win this football game on Sunday night? I would pick the Vikings just because I think top to bottom, the roster is better. And that, that's as simple as it is for me. I just think that the defense is without weaknesses. I think that the things that the Eagles were able to do last week are not going to be as available to them. I also feel like the running game, this is very like nitty gritty X's and O's stuff. <laughs> they, the Vikings, I think, are because they play so many guys in the line of scrimmage, all of the pulling that the Eagles love to do in the run game, I think it's going to be less effective because I think the Vikings are going to send blitzes on rundowns. If they can get penetration, that stuff becomes really tough to pull off, and I think you're going to see that. So I just feel like Foles has way too much of a load against this team. And that's not anything against Nick Foles. I just think that against Atlanta, it was easy to plan. It was easy to anticipate. It was easy to kind of make decisions based on what you figured you'd see on film. Atlanta is a simple defense compared to the one he's about to face. I mean, this is a doctorate in football, and I just don't think they have it. I feel like there is a version of this game that ends 17-13 that the Eagles win. And that game involves Fletcher Cox ruining it. It involves a couple picks, and it involves J.J. making a ton of plays. I think the Eagles have a chance, but I think if you play this game 100 times, the Vikings win 62% of them. Well, we'll make sure to uh, get all of uh, Robert Mays' takes and uh, put them on the bulletin board as much as possible. It's not anything different or new. Uh, I love this team, man. You cannot, you cannot accuse me of this. I was looking through my preseason power rankings today, and I had them at 10 in the entire league. And if you can find somebody that had them higher, I, I dare you to do it. Uh, I think only maybe uh, John McLean, who does uh, the stuff for the Houston Observer, is these. He had him as a Super Bowl pick, and that's the only thing I saw higher. So, no, Robert, we appreciate the time, and certainly I'm uh, actually very impressed that you're the only Robert Mays and you have that handle. You can go find him there, at Robert Mays. Uh, You know, good tweets, bad tweets, whatever. He's a fantastic follow, even though clearly he's wrong about the uh, the prediction on Sunday. Uh, And, Robert, it would would behoove me if I didn't say that our midday producer also loves you very much. James Seltzer's a big fan, so... Thanks for stopping by tonight, man. Guys, anytime, you know, I love to come on. This is fun. So you got it, man. Thanks, Robert. Enjoy your night, man. Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, So that's uh, Robert Mason. Like I said. Okay. Picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 